Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Just commit it to the Lord. Chew on it and just continue to study and to dig into it and to understand. The Lord is faithful to his word, right? And he knows, and it's not that you're going to understand everything that's in this book. You're just not. You can't. However, the Lord has said, listen, if you will take the time to study my word and to chew on it and to think about, to meditate on this thing, he will reveal to you what you need to know, what you need to understand about what he's saying there. Biblical meditation is the only path to fully experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. But if the Bible is to have any impact on your life, you have to meditate on God's word. Today, Pastor James will continue reading through the book of 2 Timothy, where you'll see Paul remind Timothy of the importance of Scripture in the life of one who belongs to God, and that meditating on Scripture is capable of giving true wisdom and understanding of God's Word. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. There's another illustration he's going to use. It's that of an athlete. Verse 5, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That makes sense. We get that, I think. The Olympics at this point in time in the region where Paul was at, it was a big deal. It was a major deal going on. But you can't just go to the Olympics and do whatever you want to do. That's not how it works. You can't show up to a race and establish the rules based on how you feel. That's not, how, that's not logical. And I know in our country for right now, for some reason, we put logic on the shelf concerning a lot of things. Um, we still need logic and reason, okay? We really do. You can't show up to the Summer Olympics and walk up to the starting line and just, like, do whatever you want to do. You can't do that. All the other guys are running on foot, and you show up on horseback. Like, no, that's not how it works. Oh, I think I'm going to run the opposite way. No, then you lose, then you lose. I think I'm going to start running before the gunshot. You lose. You are part of this race. You follow the rules. We don't make up the rules. You don't make up the rules. And when you follow Jesus and when you surrender your life to this and you commit yourself to him and to this thing, you don't get to just make up the rules. That's not how it works. That's not what being a Christian is. A Christian is somebody who says, as Paul would do so many times, saying like, listen, I am a, a slave to Jesus. He's my master. What does that communicate? He tells me what to do, and I do it. Period. You don't get to run this race doing whatever you want to do. In fact, if you function that way, you will be disqualified. That should be a warning. That should be like alarm system saying like, okay, Lord, then what do you want me to do? What are, the, what are the boundaries or the parameters that you have placed within my life that I need to honor and to respect? He's placed you, we talked about this a little bit last week. He placed you in a lane, run in that lane. He's placed a gift in you for you to use for him, for his glory and for his kingdom. Stay in that lane. Unless he moves you to a different lane, you don't move. 
This alone can apply to all sorts of aspects within our lives. When I was in Amarillo as a youth pastor, and I knew my time as a youth pastor was coming to a close, the, the bummer about it was that the Lord didn't tell me what was next. He just was showing me like, your time's coming to an end here. It was 15 years, 15 years as a youth pastor. And so then I'm trying to think through like, well, what do I do? And well, I'll just start, I'll just start knocking on all these doors, I guess. I got to figure this thing out. And praise God, I contacted my good friend at the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta, California, where I went. He was the dean of men at that point in time, a good old Texas boy. And so I knew I could reach out to him. And I'm like, hey, Mark Schwartz, uh, listen, man, the Lord's moving me on, but I, I don't know what to do. And I heard there's a job at the Bible College. I used to work there. And so I was like, heard there's a job available at the Bible College. Man, can you put a word in for me? Maybe that's what the Lord has for me. And uh, being a, a good, old, good old boy from Texas, he gave me an illustration to teach me the, the truth of what I needed to know. And it involved a fence post and a turtle. And he's like, there's a turtle on top of the fence post. He's like, turtle couldn't put itself there. Nobody know who put it there. But he's always looking at the next fence post wanting to get there. Well, it's impossible for him to get down. He can fall off but he's not going to make it onto that next fence post unless somebody picks him up and places him there. And I'm like, all right. I'm just trying to like, okay. And then it clicked. And he's like, James, listen, when the Lord's ready to move you from one fence post to the other fence post, he'll do that. And usually he'll just drop you on it. And then you'll realize like, oh, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be. And sure enough, shortly after that, doors blew wide open for Galveston and for my family and I to move down here. This is now my new fence post. Um, so, but it was the Lord. But, you know, Mark's encouragement for me was, listen, stay focused on the Lord where you're at right now. Don't get distracted. Don't get worried about this and that. Just stay where you're at right now. Serve him where you're at right now. The Lord knows how to take care of this stuff. The Lord knows how to take care of you, and he knows how to take care of his kingdom work, which he is graciously letting you be a part of. He knows how to work it out. So don't stress out about that. Next one is, is the, the farmer. It's the hardworking emphasis on hardworking farmer, okay? A lazy farmer is no farmer at all. In fact, he's probably just, you know, a guy who's going to starve in a while, okay? Because you can't be, I know this, you, you, know, you probably know this, if you know anybody who's ever owned a farm or worked on a farm, being up in Amarillo, there's farms all over the place, you can't be a farmer unless you are a hard-working farmer. A lazy farmer is just not, an, it doesn't exist, right? Because they're no longer farmers. They lose everything. And Paul tells Timothy, he's like, it's the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. That's fascinating, but that would make sense in, in two different ways here. So Paul's encouraging Timothy, number one, um, you need to be feeding yourself, Okay, so for a pastor, and this is, if, if you don't know this, let me just let you in on a little secret here. It is very difficult for pastors to enjoy the word of God on a personal level. You're like, wait a minute. But this is what, no, see, see the challenge, the difficulty is this. Pastors have the tendency to always approach the word of God to study it and to teach it for other people. It is difficult for me to sit down and just open this thing up and to be fed from it for myself. And you can talk to any pastor and they will tell you that. They will tell you that. I've struggled with that many times where I'll be having good seasons, good devotions with the Lord and all that stuff. And then I get caught up into the business aspect of it, so to speak, quote unquote. 
where it's like, oh man, I got a, well, I got a teaching coming up this Sunday, and then, oh, I got an extra one on Thursday night, and man, I just got to get into this, I got to study, I got to prepare, I got to get ready, got to get ready, got to get ready. And there's no intimacy with the Lord. There's no intimacy with the Lord. And then what really ends up happening is the vessel is running dry, and you have nothing. You might have intellect to share with individuals, but you have no overflow to share with individuals. I dealt with that as a youth pastor. I still struggle with that today, even as a pastor. I've talked to other pastors, my sending pastor, Pastor Bill up in Amarillo, my buddy Ed Taylor up in Aurora, Colorado, Britt Merrick out. I've asked them all the same question. I'm like, how do you avoid this? How do you avoid this? You got to fight for it. Maybe you understand that because maybe you teach Bible studies or Bible lessons. The tendency is just to open it up and just to prepare for what you have to share not to open it up and just to actually enjoy what Jesus has for you. That's the danger that's out there for anybody who serves in ministry. It's very real. It is very real. Paul is telling Timothy, like, listen, like a good, hardworking farmer, the crops come up. If you don't partake of the crops, you're going to starve to death. And then you're no good to anybody. No good to anybody. Yeah, you got crops that you can dish out to other people and all that. But Timothy, if you're not being smart and in, in, in taking in for yourself, you'll never have anything. And once the crops go and pass on, you're not going to make it. You won't make it. So that's good for, for each and every one of us. And he, verse 7, he goes on to say, think over what I say or meditate. Take time to think about this. Meditate, ruminate, chew on this. What I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So he's like, he just drops these three little, you know, illustrations. He'll use some more, in a, you know, as we progress through this chapter. But he's saying, listen, the soldier, the athlete, the hardworking farmer. He's like, Timothy, just think on these things, man. Just meditate on these things. Just chew on that for a while. The Lord will give you understanding concerning this. Anytime you approach a passage of scripture where you're just like, I mean, I see what it says, but I just don't, I'm not getting it. My encouragement to, to you is this, slow down. Slow down. And in a society where we don't even know what that means anymore, slow down, put away the distractions, and just think on these things. Chew on them. Always going to the Lord. Okay, Lord, all right, what does this mean? Like, to be a good soldier who's focused on, uh, with the aim to please the one who has enlisted him. Lord, how does that work in my life? And what, am I doing that? Is, it, is there something I need to work on? And I need some light shined on this thing. Just commit it to the Lord. Chew on it and just continue to study and to dig into it and to understand. The Lord is faithful to his word, right? And he knows, and it's not that you're going to understand everything that's in this book. You're just not. You can't. However, the Lord has said, listen, if you will take the time to study my word and to chew on it and to think about it, to meditate on this thing, he will reveal to you what you need to know, what you need to understand about what he's saying there. He did it all the time with his disciples. He threw out a parable. And they're all like, what? What is, he, what is that? And he's like, and he sees the, the look on their face. He's like, all right, let me explain it. Okay, let me, I mean, we see that time and time again all throughout the Gospels. Jesus would say something, and you could just see, you know, the disciples are like looking at each other like, do you, do you, no, I don't, I don't get it. And Peter's like, oh, I get it. 
He's like, I really don't get it, but I'm going to say I get it, right? Because that's how Peter was. Um, And then Jesus, just knowing, he says like, okay, let me explain this to you. The Lord is so good about that. He hasn't stopped doing that, okay? I hope you understand that. Just because Jesus isn't physically present with us, and although he told us in the Gospel of John, it's better that he leaves so that this Holy Spirit can come, you know, bring us some understanding, he doesn't just stop doing the things that he did. So if, if you're coming across a difficult thing or, or maybe something's just like, I'm just having a hard time with this, Lord. My encouragement to you is just to slow down. Just slow down and, and take your time and, and just, just continually between you and the Lord, just saying like, okay, man, Lord, I really want to get this. I really, I really want to grow in understanding concerning this. And I would always encourage you to have, have one thing. You know, if, it, if you're doing like a maybe like a character study, right? You want to study the life of a biblical, uh, you know, individual, you know, always do something. I, you know, we read through the word. I hope you're, you know, daily reading through the word, but I also like to challenge myself to like, you know, maybe there's a different term that I just want to know more about. So for me, like the one that it seems to always come up on my radar is grace. I want to know more. I want to gain an understanding concerning grace. Lord, I want to know what, I know what it means. I can define the term, but I want to understand it more. I want to understand it better. And I would always just, I would just encourage you to continually challenge yourself with some of these concepts, but just trusting the Lord for him to bring revelation to you, okay? Meditate on these things. Think over what I said. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Verse 8, makes a little transition. He's going to use Jesus as the illustration here. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering. This was the main reason he was suffering. And a lot of that was due to the fact that he included the risen from the dead, right? Because everybody believed that Jesus died on the cross, especially at this point in time, because there were a lot of people who saw him dead on that cross. Nobody could deny the fact that he's an offspring of David because they had good genealogical records at that point in time. They could trace it back. They knew that. So Paul wasn't suffering for those two things. He was suffering for the fact that he said, Jesus rose from the dead. And we would think like, well, that's just, that's just crazy. Well, it is until you consider the fact that there's a large percentage of quote unquote churches in America that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus. It's like 30 something percent of Methodist churches don't believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. And there's some other churches that are out there, just different denominations where it's maybe in the 30s percent, maybe in the 20 percent. There's seminaries out there where you have professors who are teaching their kids, their students, that Jesus didn't physically rise from the grave. So what was it once an issue for the Apostle Paul within the religious community continues to be an issue for the church and most of the attack, I mean, I expect that from the world. But when you have, quote unquote, the church itself saying, like, oh, we don't really believe that. We don't really believe that. And that number, those percentages that I quoted to you, those are from like 10 plus years ago. And those numbers aren't decreasing, they're increasing. Isn't that crazy? I don't know about you, but let me tell you something about Calvary Galveston. We believe that Jesus actually literally died on the cross and that he physically rose from the grave. That's what we believe. We believe that. And I will never waver from that. If we ever 
waver from that or stop believing in that, lock the doors, shut this place down, or find somebody who believes in the actual gospel. Because the real, literal gospel says that he came, he died, and he rose again. Period. And if you have trouble believing in a God who can do that, you need to rethink who that God is that you believe in, so to speak. That's what he said he was going to do. That's what he did. And Paul was being persecuted because of that. It's crazy. That just blows my mind of like, every time I read those statistics, I'm like, oh, this breaks my heart. Some of these institutions are like, man, I love history. And I love reading about some of the guys who were used to start some of these different denominations and in some of these seminaries and stuff and to see where they started, to see where they're at right now. It's just like, what has happened? It was happening for Paul, and it's certainly going to be happening for, for us as well. But So he goes on to say, for which I'm suffering, bound with change as a criminal. However, even though he's bound, the word of God is not bound, okay? Lock up the dude. Lock up the believers. That's fine. You can never lock up the word of God. This is the most persecuted book on this planet. People hate the Bible for, whatever, for all history. Like when this thing was published and, you know, it was an effort even just to get the word compiled, like all the letters compiled in a book. If you don't know the history on that, you should read up on that. I mean, and, and a lot of the persecution was coming from the church, don't, no, don't put this book in people's hands. Why? Because they're commoners. Because they're commoners. And if they ever understand it, what? They'll be, they'll be free from your oppression and from the fact that you're robbing people? Yeah, that's the issue. But this, I mean, people have always been trying to destroy this thing and, and all that, but you can't destroy it. You can't bind it up. You just can't. Verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect so that they may attain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy for, and this is kind of like a, a lyric of a song, all right? Paul's like, you see, Paul's like singing a little ditty in the, in the dungeon, all right? Ditty in the dungeon. That's what you can call this, okay? Um, if we have died with him, we also will live with him. And this really reflects back into the book of Romans when Paul is speaking about baptism. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. And we're like, whoa, 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 hit the brakes. Like, we definitely do not like that part. Well, I can understand you not liking that part um, if you're not really committed to him. Because there are a lot of people, and this could be speaking of like an apostate, ones who will fall away in the end, who may profess, who may say, Lord, Lord, but don't really know him. And when something better comes along, they say, ah, I'm done with Jesus. I'm done with this Jesus thing, and I'm going to pursue this. Or it's getting too hard I'm trying to do all this church stuff and, and Jesus and all that. I'm just going to do my own thing and all that. There is a danger. There is a danger for those individuals. I don't think there's any reference here at all of believers losing their salvation. Some people might want to try to go there with that. That's not really contextually. That's not, what we're, that's, that's not what's being talked about here. So if you're thinking like, oh man, I don't, wanna, I don't want him to deny me. Listen, he says, if you just keep reading, he makes it clear, okay? 
if we deny him, he will also deny us, right? And even Jesus said that in the gospel. He's like, listen, if you deny me, I'll deny you before my father. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I think he's taking this commitment thing pretty seriously. I think he takes this whole, you know, do what I say thing kind of seriously. Yeah, and you should take it that way. Paul goes on to say, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. There alleviates a lot of pressure in following Jesus. Because guess what? You, just like me, are a mess up. You mess up all the time. You blow it. You're in a good club because we're all in the same club together. We mess up. We blow it. And it's not about our faithfulness as being 100% all the time. It's about his faithfulness to his word. If we are faithless, and at times we are, he remains faithful. And then the last little part, here's the icing on the top. For he cannot deny himself. Listen, once you are a child of God, there's not a point in time where he cuts you off because you're a part of him. And there's no point in time in scripture that we ever see or have reference of him like physically like removing an element of his body. Even if that element or that part of the body is worthless, is not doing its job. So we, we understand the, the, the illustration there, and Paul would use it in the church of Corinth of like, listen, we're, we're all parts of this body, and you know, some may be an eyeball, some may be a mouth, some may be this or that or whatever. Jesus doesn't say, well, my ear's not really working, so chop that thing off and throw it away. He doesn't do that. If you're a part of his body, even if you might be at a season in your life pretty worthless, like not really doing anything for him and not really obeying him, he remains faithful. That should be an encouragement to all of us to be like, I want to be obedient to him because that is like grace upon grace. And that certainly is not how we act. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. So that's a good, that should be a good encouragement for, for us. In the end times, there will be ones who, they, they depart from the faith. They just depart from the faith. Did they ever really know Jesus? More than likely, they were kind of like what Jesus described as one saying, Lord, Lord, I did all these miracles for you. I did all this stuff for you, for you, for you. Jesus, it was all for you. And he's like, um, I'm sorry, have we met? You're not a part of my body. That will happen. There will come a time, and more than likely, it's something that is continually happening even to this day. But we know the closer we get to his return, this will intensify. And you will really see the wheat separated from the chaff, so to speak. You'll know that because they'll start identifying themselves as like, you turn the temperature up and individuals who aren't really about Jesus will, will quickly bail out. And be like, nope, nope, sorry, I'm out. I didn't sign up for this. It's like, okay. Well, you weren't a good soldier. You certainly weren't a hardworking farmer. You're a horrible athlete. You're, you're kind of a cheater. <laughs> You disqualified, you know? You bailed on Jesus. Okay, well, but if you've committed your life to Jesus, and this is what Timothy needed to know, this is what you and I need to know, we just stay focused on him. Stay focused. The persecution might intensify, the temperature might get turned up, but that should also intensify your connection to Jesus, your bond to him. Stick closer to him. Hold fast to him. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken. 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that it's an opportunity for the Apostle Paul to give a sort of closing argument, solidifying who he is in Christ and what he was willing to sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. In chapter 4, Paul states, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. How many people can say that, that they've lived well and haven't fallen away from God even in times of adversity? This is an incredible statement that Paul speaks. May you strive today and every day to be able to say the same, that you've fought the fight, that you've finished the race, and most importantly, that you've kept the faith. We're so glad that you tuned in to study the Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. And if you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to be that for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer, too. That's all the time that we have for today, but we encourage you to keep on reading on your own. There's more to learn from the book of 2 Timothy, and Pastor James wants to share these things with you right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man, who I love.